Here's an experiment for you. Take passionate experts in human resource technology. Invite cross-industry experts from inside and outside HR. Mix in what's happening in people analytics today. Give them the technology to connect. Hit record. Pour their discussions into a beaker. Mix thoroughly. And voila, you get the HR Data Labs podcast, where we explore the impact of data and analytics to your business. We may get passionate and even irreverent, but count on each episode challenging and enhancing your understanding of the way people data can be used to solve real-world problems. Now, here's your host, David Turetsky. Hello and welcome to the HR Data Labs podcast. I'm your host, David Turetsky. Like always, we try and find you interesting people from inside and outside the world of human resources to bring you the latest on what's happening with HR data, technology, and analytics. Today we have with us Tarush Agarwal from at 5X. Hey David, so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Our pleasure. And like always, we have with us Dwight Brown from Salary.com. Hey Dwight. Hey David. Hey Tarush. Good to have you with us today. Hey, thanks so much. Looking forward to it. Tarush, why don't you dive in by giving us a little bit of your background and what you're doing at at 5X as well. Sure. So my background, you know, I was fortunate enough I spent my career in data. I got to be one of the first data engineers at Salesforce.com back in 2011 when no one in the Valley really had a data team. Spent a few years over there. And most recently, I ran data for WeWork, uh, built a 100% data team, jump-started data engineering, data platform, moved to China and ran our platform efforts. And you know, believe it or not, at the beginning of COVID, I found myself stuck in Bali, Indonesia, kind of taking some time away from the valley and away from New York helped me, you know, put things in perspective. And we sort of, we work and Salesforce were amazing experiences and, you know, we were able to do a lot with data, but not many companies can, you know, go build a hundred percent data team and kind of get started. Right. And for like 95% of the world, they want to get value from data and they don't necessarily have the capabilities of, you know, building multiple layers of the stack. Like, you know, today we have data collection, ingestion, storage, modeling, reporting, and, you know, A-B testing, machine learning are on top of that. And, you know, we also care about privacy and security and GDPR and PII compliance audits. Right. So, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to go sign these contracts and build the stack or do you want to get value from data, right? So, you know, think of 5X as, you know, think of us as that large platform team, which companies like WeWork and Salesforce have. But instead of doing it for us, we, we can do it for like 95% of the companies. So it's outsourced. Yes, like you get a, you know, an end-to-end stack, you, you know, we bundle together the different providers, the sort of best-in-class providers. So, you know, our warehouse is Snowflake, which is where the sure. industry is going. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to sign any of the enterprise contracts with all these companies. You kind of get it all on day one. You get a monthly bill and yeah, you're, you're sort of good to go. And just like, you know, when you use any sort of platform, you get updates and, you know, as we build more and more stuff into it, you don't need to worry about maintaining your stack. You just get a maintenance window and it goes back and it comes back up and it's better than ever before. So one fun thing that no one knows about you, Tarush. Wow. One fun thing that no one knows about me. Yeah. You know, it's I've spent a lot of my career, I've spent most of my career in data and 
you know, part of being tagged as a, a data person is this idea that you're very logical and, you know, make data-driven decisions, make data-driven decisions, and everything is a spreadsheet and all of that jazz. But, you know, in reality, I actually, most of my decision-making comes from intuition, which is not what most people would believe. And data is just kind of a means to sort of validate that intuition often. So I find it really, you know, kind of on a broader topic that, you know, intuition versus data driven are kind of two separate sides of the stack. So, so if what, if what we're hearing is you're intuitive, you're not a geek. That's what we're hearing. <laughs> that, that, that's, uh, that might be a way to say it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, well, Dwight and I are geeks, so we'll stick with the data. That's okay. It's different, sir. It's all good. It's all good. I can wear many hats. That's all right. You can wear a data, data geek hat. It's okay. I'm wearing a hat today. I like it. So our topic for today is using infrastructure to drive value. And while we're going to get into it with our questions, one of the interesting things is, as you were talking about at 5X, being able to have an outsourced infrastructure company does enable that. But I think what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how does HR or how can HR and the business get more out of their data by leveraging infrastructure? Yep. So let's go to our first question then, which is what prevents companies from developing a stack internally to be able to manage the HR data themselves? Yeah. So, you know, nothing really prevents companies from building the stack internally, right? Like, you know, sort of Snowflake was the largest tech IPO last year. You know, everyone's now heard of it. You know, the data warehouse is no longer a niche use case. It's, you know, the core, every company in the world should now be sort of looking at kind of having one. So it's, there's nothing really preventing companies from doing this. It's more so, you know, them choosing to focus more time on the analytics. And until now, this, this, they are, they have been kind of having to do this in terms of setting up this infrastructure and do the analytics. And they kind of want to be spending more and more time on the analytics. So they can do it themselves. It's, you know, what's happening now is they, they're trying to, Re, they're basically trying to refocus and kind of spend more time on actually delivering the business value. Is there any reason why they can't leverage some of the other business analytics stack or the data stack that other parts of the organization have been building or leveraging? I mean, in an ideal world, they would, you know, a lot of these companies who have HR analytics teams, they probably have sister organizations inside the same company, which are the sort of larger data teams sort of focused on the entire business. Now, historically, these teams aren't able to really interact a lot because the HR analytics team very often has people-sensitive information, which you don't kind of want to share broadly across the organizations. So they're forced to, in some ways, have their own stack, which is a little bit more secure. And given that these HR analytics teams very often are a small fraction of the size of the sort of sister or brother organizations, a data team with a hundred people acts very differently from a data team with three, four, five people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even just in terms of 
what stack to use and how that's maintained and how that's built and operated, you know, they might have a few pieces in common. They might be using the same database technology. They might be using a similar ingestion layer, but the way they're really set up until now, it's pretty independent. So, you know, unfortunately, what we see is that a lot of the HR analytics team don't really get to leverage a little bit more mature technology of their sister larger data team orgs. Yeah, what we've been advocating and what a lot of companies have been trying to do is democratize the HR data. So it's not HR data anymore. It's more business data. And I, I, I totally agree with you that sometimes the data is too sensitive. But in many ways, you can firewall the more sensitive pieces like pay or like reasons why people leave an organization. And yeah. you can then take the aggregated and anonymized data, especially for things like headcount, which are much less sensitive, yeah. and then be able to put that alongside of finance and supply chain data so that the people who need the, the insight while they're building the plans that they're trying to execute against or measure against those things. That's where HR data really needs to become business data and and cease to be HR data. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, you know, we now have the ability to encrypt certain columns, right? You know, sort of a warehouse like Snowflake kind of, you know, in the enterprise edition, it does it out of the box where, you know, even working with PII, where you have social security and all of this stuff, where all the data is going into the warehouse, but at source, it knows what's a PII column and it gets kind of encrypted. And, you know, you have to have spe- sort of special roles who actually have, who can unencrypt it, but otherwise, for the most part, it kind of gets aggregated up. And, you know, I think we're, we're probably going to start to see this trend kind of get more and more mainstream. And, you know, this is probably a more recent thing in the last one year where, where the technology is now able to do sort of selective PII filtering and, you know, encryption of like certain columns. So, you know, I think we are going to see more and more of that. Historically, it's kind of lived completely separately. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking subscribe. This podcast is made possible by Salary.com. Now, back to the show. Why don't we transition to question two, which is why doesn't a one-size-fits-all solution work for everybody? And I think what we're trying to say in this question is, you know, do companies need to kind of build based on their own bespoke needs, right? Yeah. You know, given that HR analytics is not subject to, you know, a particular industry. It's not just, you know, one type of company. And even in terms of sizes, right? Like, you know, obviously anything under mid-market is probably not really a candidate for HR analytics, but, you know, there's again a big difference in a thousand person company and a hundred thousand person company and kind of how they kind of look at these HR analytics, right? And then especially for some companies who look at this a little bit as a competitive advantage, companies that, you know, need to hire, you know, the best people in the world and really care about retention. If you look at the tech company, you know, people race of, you know, making sure you have the best engineers compared to a more traditional business where, you know, you obviously want to hire good people and retain them, but it's not, you know, the center core of like what your business kind of focuses on, you know, you have, so many different variables over there. And, you know, every sort of solution, every company chooses to 
emphasize on certain things and, you know, not emphasize on certain things and, you know, do some things sort of well and, and some things not well. And, you know, do you want to, a lot of companies around the HR analytics space are, you know, optimizing for ease of setup or in terms of rich feature set or integrating with kind of non-bespoke vendors. So, you know, there's enough different levers out there that, you know, one size fits all doesn't really kind of make sense, right? You're always going to have some sort of niche use cases where some companies are kind of very happy with a, a sort of standard out-of-the-box solution, whether that's sort of Vizio or some of the new sort of competitors. Some companies, you know, are just going to always do it in-house. Like it's just too much of a competitive advantage. They can kind of use this against a competition. Some companies will go hybrid where, you know, as you start getting into regionalization, you have some of these platforms which integrate really well with Greenhouse and Workday and all of the usual suspects which kind of come out of the box, but you start getting into the Asia region, so especially China and kind of outside there where all of a sudden they use different HR systems there and some of these out-of-the-box vendors don't integrate with that. They might need to have a custom solution, right? So, you know, sort of globalization plays a big part, size of company, Mm -hmm. what exactly they're trying to do with all of these different use cases, um, which is ultimately great because, you know, one size fits all in some ways causes, you know, some sort of monopoly, which is not great for the end customer. Sure. I mean, you know, you could definitely go that route. But one of the things that one size fits all does do is it might provide companies with an understanding of benchmarking, right? Where they can get an understanding about what their experience is versus what other people have, what other people do. So there are some benefits, but... And, you know, I think in general, right, when something gets commoditized, it becomes available to everyone. There's more information on the table, but also the marginal utility of that value starts to diminish because it's everyone kind of has access to it now. So it's a good, you know, it's a good baseline to kind of get set up. And if you're not doing that, then, you know, this is some very, very low hanging fruit to basically get there, but it's no longer a sort of competitive advantage. Uh, And, you know, in today's world, we all are fighting for that competitive advantage of what can we do, which is kind of better than, than the next person. One of the things that I've found in my past experience has been anytime we looked at some sort of one-size-fits-all vendor, oftentimes they did a lot of stuff well, kind of a, a mile-wide and inch deep concept, though. And it, you know, on the surface, it always looked good, but it was when we started digging down into the details that we figured out it really didn't fit the need that that we had. And so I would say that that really can be a barrier as well with everything. You, you've got to make sure that what looks good on the surface is actually going to serve what your needs are. And I've seen, I saw over and over that scenario play out and I think it's, you know, but probably what keeps us where we are in terms of commoditizing everything. I it's, it's a weird kind of example, but you know, it's a little bit like Facebook analytics, right? Like, when you're kind of getting started, Facebook analytics, you know, on the ad manager makes a lot of sense. It Here's how much money you spend. Here's how many views, clicks, conversions you kind of got. And it all looks really, really good from the outside. And all of a sudden now you get Google analytics because you also want to use Google AdWords. And now you realize they are not 
comparing things apples to apples. They have their own definitions on how they want to do things to in order to make their platform looks good. And once you can't compare apples to apples, you sort of realize that, hey, actually, if I really want to do this, I need the raw data. I need to get the raw data and I need to add the insights layer on top of it. Sure. And it's kind of similar, right? Where, you know, a lot of these tools optimize on how quickly can you go get started? You know, we'll just integrate with everything and here you have your dashboard. And that's amazing to get started. But you you sort of get to this size where you have a bespoke question. And a bespoke question is very hard to model on top of a pre-built dashboard. You have to get into the modeling layers yourself to basically get more sophisticated. And, and that's certainly true of def, uh, definitely true of certain industries like the investment banking, the commercial banking industry where they're trying to solve very specific questions or solve answer very specific questions and solve very specific problems and their level of sophistication around their measurement is probably higher than in other industries. And so they do have a need and they can probably pay for those those questions. And the answers to those questions, I, I should say, there yeah. are going to be some companies though that are much more big, just at the beginning stages, and yeah, totally may not ever get out of those beginning stages because the the kind of the balance between the risk and reward and the return on that investment isn't there, and so yeah, they they may stay in the world of canned or you know, one size fits all and that's okay, but it doesn't get to your point. It doesn't get you the utility that getting the bespoke answer would, would give to those industries. Yeah, totally. I think majority of companies will always live in that space, right? Like how many companies end up becoming a thousand person companies, right? Like very, very few, right? So, you know, those one size fits all, there's a reason why you know, the big players all talk about ease of use and getting set up and exactly. giving you, yep. you know, 80% out of the box because yeah. that's the biggest piece of the pie. Right, right. And and I think one of the things that prevents other companies from coming in to challenge them is that there's incredible amounts of logic and incredible amounts of, uh, I don't want to say middleware, but configurations that you need to get to in order for people to find value in the data that that the economic realities of trying to build whether it's the metrics or the visualizations yeah. it's it's not for the faint of heart it's very expensive to get going it is very expensive to get going i think you know 5 years ago what all would be custom generated not sorry not custom generated right. would be like written down data modeling you know logic you know what's going to start to happen is as you know decision making which is this kind of whole area of analytics which is you know having you know computer generated storytelling on looking at data sets seeing how they're changing and you know getting really really sophisticated around that as you know we see more inventions in just a modern data stack and more and more layers over there you know some of that competitive advantage of years 10 years of experience starts to get a little bit easier so you know you're probably seeing right now new players coming in which are probably challenging the sort of viziers of the world and being able to do those integrations, not in six, seven, eight months, but to be able to go do it in one or two months. Right. Because, um, there's just so much, you know, I'm kind of super bullish on, you know, this is going to become more of a level playing field. And, you know, when that kind of happens, more and more companies will go into more niche kind of use cases 
then you you still might have someone who's got 50 60% of the market but it gets really interesting because you have all of these other new these other niche use cases come up so let's talk a little more about that so since there's so much consolidation since you know inevitably we've got these little companies that are popping up getting bought by the bigger companies mm-hmm. and consolidating towards a one size fits all offering mm-hmm. do you think we'll ever get to the point where the one size fits all is the predominant vendor i think you know it doesn't even have to be a black and white answer right in reality it'll probably be hybrid where you know you get 60 70% of what you want out of the box with this vendor and the remaining 20 30% you can you know have more sort of customizable like even if you look at workday right like workday is a solution but at the same time workday is highly configurable where you can build stuff you know on top of workday and you know add your own kind of logic over there so probably as some of these platforms you know some of these one size fits all solutions will you know have a sort of application platform layer just like salesforce you know has got a store which you can build your own applications on top of salesforce and surface that out what sort of workday has the same thing you know you are going to see that in the hr analytics space where you're 60% of the box and go build your own 40% and, and i think that is definitely true of the hr well what could be called the human capital management providers like sap peoplesoft adp and workday where yeah. they they built a platform of data management and you know even and the ERPs will tell you this too they they built this total data management platform and they have a data model which is very clear about how the data model works on the HR side and then they're leveraging a common infrastructure to do analytics but then they allow for the extension or APIs to Tableau or some other tool set that enable you to take the data further. And in some ways that works, right? And when you're big enough, you kind of have to make it work. What tends to happen and we saw this with Salesforce too is that you know all of these as you said they they have a very clear data model and you know you kind of have to play well with it and even if you want to push data in you have to you know define these objects up front yep. and play into this kind of world which in some ways is pretty limiting because you have to you know you you can't think outside the box cuz it's not built to think outside the box right where you know traditionally if you you know use something like a data warehouse you have all the flexibility in the world and you're probably you're probably building and analyzing using sort of standard sql in python whereas you get into these yeah. custom objects and you know the they these these inferred languages on top of these platforms like workday or salesforce where you know they kind of have their own languages and you have to kind of do it over there because they're dealing with not only their own application but now they have to think about you know performance of your applications on top of it and data sharing and security and all of this so you know that route isn't really as open and flexible as you would like it you know obviously these vendors are going to tell you you know we give you 60% and the remaining 40% you can build but it's not as as many rainbows and butterflies as they make it out to be no you're definitely right i mean if you want to go beyond that 40% you really need a stack to be able to take the data out 
put it into something that enables you to ask different questions. And yeah. and you're not going to be able to do that inside of these platforms. It just it just they are they are what they are. And taking the data out, the moment you take the data out, either you're building something around it to keep that security and to keep everything in tune or you're going to have to be okay with it being out, which isn't yeah. exactly isn't exactly secure unless you make it secure. And it's not yeah. exactly going to be up to date unless you make it up to date. Yep. And then you have to worry about data lineage and you know keep track of the metadata, where it comes from. Right. You don't have multiple sources of truth because no, you, can't. you take it out and edit it and it's not going to go back talk to the main source. So right. you know, these are examples of like, you know, going back to kind of the first question of why do companies sort of struggle with some of the infrastructure pieces because they don't want to go manage all of this. This is like pretty complex, right? Like getting this sort of set up, getting this set up correctly. And so, you know, a lot of these companies end up going with these vendors or, you know, just completely doing things themselves. And they, I think we're going to see a lot of innovation on, you know, some of these things kind of coming together and playing well, as the HR analytics space kind of gets more and more mature, and part of this is going to come with different sorts of vendors making some of these processes a lot easier. Like, how do you work with both platforms in a hybrid solution? And, you know, you won't need to worry about the syncing or security or lineage or some of these kind of pieces. Tarush, thank you very much. We appreciate your time. And just to summarize, we've been talking about how HR can leverage a data stack that enables them to do more than what the one size fits all might be able to provide for them and how they can ask better questions by being able to take a set of architecture and a set of application and a set of data logic and layers and not have to worry about just getting it from one vendor and actually just not having to worry about it at all. Anything else that you want to talk about before we wrap? Yeah, you know, I think thank thank you again so much for having me in the show. You know, excited to see companies get more and more on the, you know, AI layers and, you know, more and more upstream. Because that's really where some of these sort of sort of some of the comparative advantage is going to come, and I think the next few years are going to be sort of super interesting around sort of in, in terms of those areas. Well, thank you very much, Tarush. Thank you, Dwight. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today, Tarush. We appreciate it. Thank you, David and Dwight. Thanks so much for your time. It was a blast being on the show. Our pleasure. And thank you for listening. And if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to the show. If you like it, either give us five stars or refer us or follow us. Thank you so much for listening to the HR Data Labs podcast. Take care and stay safe. That was the HR Data Labs podcast. If you liked the episode, please subscribe. And if you know anyone that might like to hear it, please send it their way. Thank you for joining us this week and stay tuned for our next episode. Stay safe.